Welcome this morning to our Frontline family who have joined us online, to all those who have chosen to join us at Frontline, uh, we, a big welcome from us, from our leadership, from our family to yours. Uh, we're excited to be with you this morning, and as you're together in your family rooms, as you've gathered your family together, we trust that the word that the Lord has laid on my heart this morning will touch your hearts at the place where you're at, that it will minister to your family and minister to your hearts this morning. Um, the many buildings, churches, have closed, but that is just the building, Church continues, we are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, the body of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited to be with you um, online, wherever you are across the nation, we welcome you to our online service this morning. Can we pray together? So Father, we want to thank you this morning for the privilege that we have to spend time in your word. We thank you for the spirit that breathes life. God, we ask that your spirit would visit with each one in their home. We ask that you would send an outpouring of your spirit. God, I ask that hearts would be open and ready to receive your word this morning. May it touch them. I pray, God, that it would bring life, it would bring transformation to each one under the sound of my voice. Holy Spirit, would you anoint my lips to speak the heart of the Father? We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into our homes across the nation. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in each of us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, church, as I was preparing for this message, I got a picture of a bow and an arrow. And I asked the Lord, God, what does this mean? What are you saying through this image of a bow and arrow? And I believe the Lord was saying that it is a season and it is a time of preparation for the bride of Christ. It is a sharpening of the arrows and preparation so that the Lord may draw us back and release us to strike with power, with impact. There is something God is wanting to do during this time across his body. And we need to be alert and we need to be ready for what God is wanting to do. You see, if an, an arrow's point is not sharp, it may hit the target but it will not penetrate and it will not leave a lasting impact. And it is the Father's heart that not one of his arrows would fall to the ground. That we would be sharp, we would be vigilant, and we will be alert. And I believe that this is a great awakening in the body of Christ. A sifting, a shaking, a move that God is wanting to do with his sons and with his daughters. And I encourage you to be vigilant and to be alert in this season, like the sons of Issachar, that we would know the times and the seasons, and we would be ready for what God is wanting to do. I also got a picture of a lion, the lion of Judah, circling and walking around the continent of Africa. 
And I believe that he is wanting to allow a roar to come across our nation. So here, O Africa, Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. God is wanting to do something across our nation. And I have great excitement and expectation in my heart to see what God is about to do. The world is in a crisis. We have not experienced something like this before. We are making history. But we have been placed at such a time as this, as the body of Christ. And I realized that in a moment, life as we know it can change. You could get a report from your doctor, news from your spouse, a letter from your boss, a call from your bank manager, a meeting with your child's principal, an address from the president. And in a moment, life as we know it can change. But I bring encouragement today to let you know that there is one who remains the same. There is a constant in our life, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this should bring comfort and hope to our hearts. Church, I believe that we are in a war at the moment. And this is a war not against COVID-19, but against our faith, our hope, our peace, and our trust in God. Right now, the enemy is disguised as a virus. But in six months' time, he will come disguised as something else. And he is after our hearts, and he is after our minds, and we are in a constant war against the enemy. Scripture is full of end-time prophecies. It warns us, God in his goodness and in his kindness warned us, he forewarned us of things to come, what to expect. Matthew 24 states, do not be deceived. There will be false prophets. There will be wars, rumors of war. There will be nation rising against nation. There will be drought and famine and there will be pestilence and deadly disease. You see, if we have been given a warning of what to expect, then this should not surprise us. This should not come as a shock to the body of Christ. God has been good and he has been faithful to warn us of things to come. Our response should be one of faith and not of fear. Because we have an assurance that God is still on the throne. And he is still in control. A.W. Tozer said, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes, there is a God who has not surrendered his authority. And we praise God for that assurance this morning. If you receive a prophetic word over your life and you've been in a season of waiting for the fulfillment and you start to live out the fulfillment of the prophecy, this would stir faith in your heart to know that God is true to his word. 
what he says he will do, he will do. Likewise, as we look at prophetic words for end time, for the last days in Scripture, when we start to see fulfillment of these things taking place, this should bring encouragement. This should stir a faith within us to know that God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. There should be a different response that emerges from the body of Christ at a time like this. We cannot respond in fear and panic. Faith should arise at a time like this. We all know really well the story or the parable of the wise man building his house upon the rock. And the, the scripture tells us that the rains came, the floods came, and the wind beat against this house. But scripture tells us that it did not fall because it was founded, it was built, and it was established on the rock. And oftentimes we take these stories and we reduce them to a Sunday school lesson. But these were the, the wise teachings of Jesus himself, who said, build your life upon the rock. And church, just because we believe, just because we believe in Jesus and we, we are Christians, does not exclude us from hardship. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This does not exclude us from struggles. The wind will come and beat against our house. The rain will come and the storms will blow. But we can take courage if our house and our lives have been founded and established and built on the solid rock who is Jesus Christ. You see what the enemy has planned for evil. God will turn for our good and for his glory. And even in this season, as the world has been um, shocked with the virus, I want to say that even in this, God has a plan. I encourage you as you're sitting in your living rooms right now with your family, take this opportunity to spend time as a family, play games, get to know each other again, have some fun. But take the word of God, read the word together, lead your family in prayer, put worship on, worship as a family. I encourage you to take communion at this time because we need to cover our families with the blood of Jesus. It has not lost its power. At Passover, which is a season we're going into a very significant time in our calendar, in a, in a week or two's time, very significant. As we're going into Passover, the Israelites were instructed to go into their homes and to stay there. And then to take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel of their home. And the angel of death would pass over. We too, as we go into our homes during the season, may we apply the blood of Jesus over our families. May we stand on the promises of his word that he will cover us and he will protect us. May new sounds and worship erupt from your lounge and your living rooms. Can I encourage you to not allow the voice of the media to be the voice in your home, but to allow the voice of God to take supremacy in your home. For faith to arise in our hearts that we may lead our children by example. 
let the voice of God resound from your homes. May our neighborhoods be impacted because of what takes place in our homes with our children. May the anthem be, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a great awakening in the body of Christ, a time of preparation for the great harvest. And this church is not a time for us to draw back, to retreat, and to become fearful. But instead, it is a time for us to sharpen our arrows, to dress ourselves appropriately, to stand firm and endure. We need to have a battle stance. We need to be prepared for what God is about to do. And Paul addresses warfare in Ephesians. He starts to discuss spiritual warfare. And really the battle predominantly happens in our minds and in our hearts. It's a battle for those two. And the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul uses this time to speak to us, to reassure us of who we are in Christ. That we have been handpicked by God. That we are chosen and adopted and predestined. That we are his workmanship. That we are seated in heavenly places with him. And he explains all that has been deposited into us. But then he starts to shift gears in chapter 4. In the first verse of chapter 4, he says, Live in a way that is worthy of your calling. There is an expectation on us as believers in the way we conduct ourselves. 1 Peter 3.15 from the Amplified says, In your hearts, set God apart, acknowledging Him, giving Him first place. In other words, the highest, most authoritative voice that there is above all else. Give Him first place. Then Paul says, always ready to give an account, a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance that is within you. This church is how we are expected to live. Irrespective of our circumstances and what we see going on around us, we should have a confident assurance for our hope, for our faith. Just this week, I had someone ask me, how is it that you're carrying on with life as if nothing is going on? You have a faith unwavering. And I had the opportunity to point them to Jesus. You see, when we live in such a manner and people ask us how, how is it that you have faith in the midst of turmoil and chaos? We have the opportunity to give an account of our hope and to point them to Jesus, who is our anchor. You see, it is easy to sing praises and talk about faith when life is easy. It's something else when the storms start to come. And I would love to say that today I'm going to make you feel good, but I'm not. I'm going to point you to the one who is. And he is good and he is faithful all the time. Paul says, live in this manner. Chapter 6 of Ephesians verse 13 says, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. 
The word withstand means to oppose, to bravely resist, standing face to face against your enemy, standing your ground. Paul says, dress yourself appropriately that you would be able to stand. And as I started to prepare this message, I said, God, people know about the armor. I mean, this is a common message that goes forth. We know what the armor, I guess many would be able to even list what the armor is and know what it is about. But my question is, is if Paul is telling us that this is what will keep us going in hard times, in the evil day, then why is it that we see so many responding from a place of fear? Where the enemy is gaining ground and taking territory from us. Is it that we've neglected the armor that God has given us? Paul tells us to take up the whole armor, meaning don't leave one piece out because it will make you vulnerable and susceptible to defeat. So we need to take on the full armor. Paul goes through and describes what this armor looks like. And he starts off with the belt of truth. It is a standard that does not change. Our world right now is filled with news Some of it is fake news. We're not quite sure what to believe at the moment. We're bombarded with stuff around the coronavirus. We're unsure of what is true and what is not. But the word of God is true. It is a standard that we can continuously go back to and measure ourselves against. In the banks, they would use a light to verify the authenticity of a note, a bank note, a money, a piece of money, a note of money. And, and so this light would shine and immediately it would show if it's a counterfeit, if it's fake. And the word of God is a light unto our path. It is a light that shines on our emotions, on our perspective on how we feel, on our senses, on what's going on around us, and it highlights what is true and what is fake. It's an outside objective, outside of ourselves that we can refer back to, and it is constant, and it does not change. You see, the enemy is a deceiver. John 8 tells us that he is the father of lies. And so he will come and he will present us with lies and with deception continuously. And the minute we take a hold of these lies and we start to believe them as being true, he has our mind. Whatever controls our mind controls us. And so the enemy will try to deceive. A lie always contradicts truth. And there are many right now who are struggling with the reality. And we don't say that what is going on in the world is not really happening. We acknowledge it. But we need to recognize that our response to this has to be measured according to the word of God. Some people are feeling like things are out of control. This virus cannot be contained. There's fear rising in the hearts of people. But Revelations 1.17 is our measuring stick. And we go and we shine the light of God's word on what we are feeling. And it says, he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. He was here from the beginning and he will be here at the end of the age. He is still in control. Some are so fearful around getting this virus and going into isolation. 
being left alone, isolated from family and friends. And there's this fear that is rising up in people's hearts. But Joshua 1 tells us, he will never leave. He will never forsake you. You will never be alone. Many are concerned around our economy. It's a reality. Things will be affected by this virus. And there is a concern about what the future looks like. What may happen going forward. But God's word stands true and it says that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. Psalm 34.10 tells me that those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You see, church, it is important for us to measure our emotions and our perspective against the truth of God's word. The Roman soldiers would wear their armor and it weighed approximately 70 pounds. It was heavy. And what would happen was the belt was the first piece that would go on and it would wrap around the soldier's body. And what it did was it caused a support for the core. It assisted them to stand upright and to stand firm. And we too need to take the truth of God's word and wrap it tightly around us. Our lives need to be consumed and covered by the truth of God's word. It will cause us to stand firm. It will hold us upright in the day of trouble. The soldiers also had long tunics that would hang low down on their legs. And many times, if they needed to move quickly and swiftly, they would have to take the tunics and tuck it into the belt in order to be able to move freely. This is true for us today, as we need to take the things that want to hinder us and weigh us down, we need to take a hold of them and we need to tuck them into the truth of God's word so that we may move with freedom and with liberty. We need to commit our allegiance to the truth of God's word. This belt was worn at all times. Even if there was no other weapon attached, they kept their belt on. We need to wrap ourselves in the truth of God's word, not only when the battle is on, even in the good times. We need to keep the truth of, God, of God's word wrapped securely around us. We need to be vigilant. We need to be aware. The second piece of armor was the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness is not perfection, but it is alignment to the word of God. And this piece of, of armor was one of the heaviest. It would go over the shoulder. And the reason they would put it against the belt and lean it on the belt was to assist with the weight of the breastplate. You see, if we try and be righteous in our own ways... And by works, the weight becomes too heavy. We need to rest on the truth of God's word that Christ has done it all. He's paid the price. And it is not about our works or our perfection. It's about our aligning ourselves to the truth of God's word that we have, in fact, been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. The shoes for the gospel of peace. 
These shoes were worn whether in marching or in battle. And this shows us that we, are, we need to be ready and prepared to share the gospel at any given time, in and out of season. You see, I've recognized now that this virus has swept the world, but so will the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing will stop the gospel from being preached. We have the privilege within a few days getting ourselves set up and ready to go online, and we were determined to not allow anything to silence the voice of God from going out to people. We need to be prepared to share the gospel at any time, in every season, not drawing back, not allowing our circumstances to dictate. We need to be ready in and out of season. And this, for me, is an exciting season because we get to start the vision of Frontline Church transforming cities and nations. Our voice is getting louder. It is reaching wider. So what the enemy has planned for evil, God is using for our good. Amen. The next piece of armor was a shield of faith. And this shield was not a small round shield. It was a long oblong piece of armor. And what would happen is as the, the soldiers would sign up into the army, they would measure them and customize a shield according to their size. This confirms the word that, that Paul speaks about in Romans 12, where he says, each one has been given a measure of faith. Let me encourage you today that you have been given the correct measure of faith that you need for your assignment, for your purpose, and for your calling. But Paul says, take it up. Pick it up. Church, it is time for us to pick up our shield of faith. Too many are retreating in fear. Too many are retreating in hopelessness. It is time for faith to arise across the body of Christ. And we have been given a measure of faith. The helmet of salvation was a helmet that would protect the soldier from damaging blows to the mind, to the head. This helmet protects our mind. You see, the enemy will target our mind because it is a battlefield. Once he controls our mind, he controls us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a fortress. It is a prison. It is used to prevent people from escaping. It is a place of captivity. The purpose of a stronghold was to keep those on the inside in and those on the outside out. And so the enemy will attack our mind and present us with lies and deception and fear. And the moment we grab a hold of this, there is a stronghold that is developed in our mind. He keeps us a prisoner in our own minds. We become a captive to our own thoughts. But verse 5 tells us, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. The phrase casting down would mean to pull down, to dismantle, to destroy piece by piece until there is not one piece remaining. 
every high thing, all inclusive, every thought, every fear, everything you read on the media that wants to raise its voice higher than the authority of God in your life, the, the knowledge of Christ in your life, we need to pull these things down. This is a war against the knowledge of God. In other words, anything that argues or opposes the truth of God, who he is and what he has said, must be dismantled and destroyed. Paul tells us to bring into captivity. This would mean a soldier bringing the enemy in as a captive. And what they would do is they would put a sword thrust up against the enemy's back, bringing him into submission, under control, and silencing him. And so Paul tells us in the same manner, bring your thoughts into submission. Silence them, bring them under control. Bring them to Christ. The word Christ in Greek is Christu, and it means to anoint so we know that the anointing breaks the yoke and it brings freedom. And as we start to take a hold of these thoughts in our minds and the fear that it has caused, and we bring it under the submission of Christ, he anoints them and he sets us free. These helmets were worn and they would have a color feather or a crest, which would bring identification as to which tribe or unit the soldier belonged to. And I want to say that our salvation is identification of who we belong to. The Lord who is champion, a warrior who will raise a battle cry and triumph over our enemy. This is who we belong to. We need to bring our thoughts into captivity and the word captivity, as I explained, was using a sword against the enemy, which leads us to the next piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This was used in close combat with the enemy. And when Jesus was in the wilderness and the enemy tried to attack him, his response was, it is written. Is our response during the season it is written. You see, we need to fall so desperately in love with the Word of God. We need to, to get into the Word and allow it to become alive, to become the breath of God breathed on us as we read. There's such an encouraging scripture that I read this morning, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, and it says, My son, my daughter, Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Right now, people are anxious for health, for well-being. We're scared to breathe in the air in case we get sick. But the Word of God tells us that His Word is health and life to our bones and to our flesh. We need not fear. We need to consume the Word of God to take a hold of it daily. It is our daily bread. 
we need to find ourselves in the Word of God. Whatever keeps you from your Bible is your enemy. No matter how harmless it may seem, it is your enemy. Lastly, Paul goes through and he says that we need to pray always in the Spirit. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need God to touch us, to empower us at this time, that we would be able to fulfill the call and the duty as the body of Christ. Right now, we need to pray more than ever before. Many will say that prayer is like a spear that can be hurled at a distance and bring a devastating blow to the enemy. And I, I sometimes wonder, do we find ourselves in close combat because we've neglected the weapon of prayer? We need to spend time in prayer. We are in a war and we cannot respond in fear or shock. Church, what an embarrassment it would be for us to get to heaven with no battle scars. We've been called. We've been equipped. We've been given a mandate. As I started this message with Matthew 24, the prophecy, end time prophecy, Matthew concludes and says in verse 13, he who endures to the end shall be saved. The word endure is to hold one's ground in conflict, to bear up against adversity, to hold out under pressure, and to stand firm. For those who do this, we have a promise, and I assure you God is faithful to his word, that we will be saved. Church, it is time for us to arise to dress ourselves appropriately, to sharpen our arrows, to endure, to withstand, and to overcome in Jesus' name. Can we pray together? Father, I want to thank you this morning that your word is alive and it is active. It brings about change in God. You have equipped us and enabled us by the Spirit of God to fight the good fight of faith. God, you have equipped us to do exactly what you asked of us to do. And as we go into a season of the unknown, as a nation, as a world, I pray, God, that we would draw our strength from you. May we equip ourselves and dress ourselves appropriately for battle, that you may use us, God, at a time such as this. I pray, God, for an empowering of your bride, that we would keep our eyes fixed on the bridegroom, that we would not be distracted by what we hear and by what we see, but our eyes would be fixed on our bridegroom, who is coming again soon. God, I speak peace over your bride. I pray, God, that the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds. I pray, God, for a courage to stand face to face against our enemy, that we will not retreat 
and we will not draw back in fear, but that faith would arise in the hearts of your children. That we would fix our gaze on you. As I'm reminded, God, that whatever we fix our gaze on becomes the object of our worship. May we fix our gaze on you. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. May your army arise at this time, God, I pray. And may faith erupt from our homes. May worship erupt from our homes. God, may we give a testimony of God's goodness and of his faithfulness during the season. We choose to trust you, God, even when we don't understand. Your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. But God, we choose to trust you irrespective of what we see. Would you pour out your spirit on your sons and your daughters at this time? God, would you empower your church, your bride? May our arrows be sharpened, God, that we would be able to strike with precision and with power, leaving a lasting impact wherever we go. And God, I pray that you would transform our cities and our nation. God, would you do something new, we ask. May we be like Isaiah that says, here I am, God, send me. Send me. May faith arise in the hearts of your sons and daughters. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.